day 198 of Shape by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Cindy Kemp mm-hmm. and also with David Keefe. And we're continuing in the Gospel of Mark, uh, probably the earliest gospel written. And it's easy to look at Mark, you know, and, and think of it as kind of a simple gospel. And what's the other gospel writers built on as they expanded, you know, the basic outline of Mark and you know, added their material with it as well. But it's far more than that. Um, Mark really does a good job of presenting a portrait of who Jesus mm-hmm. is by the things that he does. So he observes, you know, Jesus in action, and it has a very rapid pace as you move from one event to the other event. And he leaves us to make the conclusion: here is everything Jesus did. Who do you think he is? And, and of course, he begins and ends uh, the gospel. Uh, with the conclusion that he is the Messiah, mm. the Son of God. And it's a, a nice, artful uh, gospel that leads us into a, a deeper understanding of who God is. So before we dig into chapter 2, which is a really fantastic chapter, as was chapter 1, and as will be chapter All 3 and chapter good. 4, um, let's, uh, let's offer ourselves in this moment uh, to the Lord. It's a privilege to know him through his word. It is a privilege to be shaped by his word, sometimes a painful process, sometimes a joyful process, mm-hmm. but nevertheless a very necessary process for the people of God. So uh, let's offer ourselves to him. Cindy, do you mind? Yeah. Father, <clears throat> we do thank you for um, your word. We thank you for this this book. Um, Father, we thank you for the words of Mark as he does show us the picture of, uh, of who Jesus is by what he, how he lived and what he did and how he loved people so well. So, Father, just uh, would pray that you would take these words now and by your Spirit that you would um, let them sink deep into our hearts as, as we consider who Jesus is and, uh, and may we know him and love him and walk with him. In Christ's name, amen. Mark chapter 2. <clears throat> A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to uh, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, uh, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. 
for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of grain. The Pharisees said to them, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you ever read what David did when his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. What a dramatic end Mm -hmm. to that chapter. Uh, And of course, you you begin, you know, you begin the chapter, and and the chapters, of course, were unnatural breaks, and we have to break them down by chapters to Mm -hmm. do 15 minutes. Uh, But uh, you begin with this, you know, wonderful, you know, story of Jesus being so popular in his teaching, he's teaching, you know, in the house of Peter, and there's so many people there that uh, these men bring their friend, and they can't make their way through the crowd, so they go up on the roof and start tearing their way through the roof. <laughs> I, I would have loved you to. We we don't have recorded Peter's response. Yeah, hey to man, all of this. <laughs> Just uh, what are you doing to? What are you doing to my roof? Yeah, uh, you get to go but, to Home Depot after that, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And, and what's incredible is, you know, whenever he saw their faith. Uh, mm. He told the paralyzed man, your, your sins are forgiven. And of course, there's the teachers of the law sitting there. Wonderful little parable. Jesus says, well, you know, it's just easier to say your sins are forgiven than to say, pick up your mat, go home and walk, or you know, mm-hmm. walk and go home, or whatever the order there is. And of course, What he's where he's going there is, is is so absolutely deep. They're right, you know. Nobody can really forgive sins except mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, God it's Himself. Mm-hmm. They said, "Well, the Son of Man mm-hmm. has that authority mm-hmm. on earth to forgive sins, and so that you may know that He has the authority to forgive sins." Mm-hmm. Why, why don't you pick up your mat, walk, yeah. and go home? Mm-hmm. And He did that in, in full view of everyone. And of course, the crowd comes back and says. We've never seen anything yeah. like this. Nope. It's only the beginning of things that you have never seen uh, in this man, Jesus. No, I do love that. And when we're learning you know, about Jesus here, he obviously makes it really clear that he has the authority to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing, yeah, to say, hey, your sins are forgiven, and they truly were because he has that authority. But anyone could have just said that, right? And so he proves that authority mm-hmm. by doing something so amazingly outward, even though he's done this amazing inward work as well and i just love getting kind of to see jesus especially coming out of the the old testament of the of the priests who would offer these sacrifices for the sins of the people over and over and over again and jesus shows us here that 
he is that true and that better high priest who has such you know willingness to forgive and such a tender heart and the, the ability to serve the people right and so I love getting jesus getting to see that glimpse of christ here yeah and, and of course the ultimate sign you know that jesus has the power uh, to forgive sin is a resurrection mm. uh, that's how we know that his work has been vindicated by god and his his word you know, is true mm. and, and so all of these outward signs are, are signs of an inward reality uh, the kingdom is coming people are being restored the uh, lame are walking the blind are seeing those who, who are deaf or are beginning to hear and you see you know mark bringing all of these you know, images forward and anyone who's read the old testament will realize that that something unique is happening in the person of jesus but it goes much deeper you know than just you know the outward healing it, it goes into a deep inner need mm-hmm. our sins have separated us you know from god according to isaiah and uh, he is removing the barriers between us and God so that we might have fellowship with him. A beautiful picture of the forgiveness of sin. It is, and I think even as we continue to go in further into Mark, we just see the crowds increasing and following him because he is performing these outward miracles. And so sometimes I, I even think about myself, am, am I desiring more of um, a miracle or an answer prayer from God than I really stand in awe of the incredible healing th- that he did in my own heart, you know, with sin. So it kind of puts things in perspective, yeah. too. Uh, one of the, you know, common biblical images of the miracles or signs, and a lot of times we become so enamored right. uh, with the miracles themselves that we fail to see what they're pointing to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the miracles you know, are pointing us to a time when all things uh, will be restored, mm-hmm. but it's also pointing us to the deeper restoration that has taken place in our hearts and lives through faith in Christ right. when our sins are forgiven, which is just the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, of this. Of course, at this time, um, you know, this, this man didn't receive the full gifts of salvation, you know, that we do mm-hmm. because the Lord hadn't been raised and the Spirit hadn't been sent. But this is, you know, just kind of a down payment. Your sins indeed are forgiven. And so Mm -hmm. the restoration, you know, the prophet spoke of in Israel, you know, when I will bring my people back in, I'll sprinkle them with clean water so that they'll be clean, take out of my heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You see this being fulfilled in in this. Your sins are forgiven. You are clean. Yeah. And I wonder what this paralyzed man thought his deepest needs were at that time, right? You know, like, I want to be, I want to be able to walk. And his friends probably bringing them even thought Mm -hmm. the same thing, like, wouldn't it be crazy if, mm-hmm. if he could walk, if Jesus could heal yeah. him? But Jesus knows what his deeper needs are. And we all think we have, these are my deep needs that I need met yeah. by Jesus. But mm-hmm. the actual deepest is is the forgiveness that right. he offers yeah. for sin. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're always better off when we allow him to, uh, we allow him to diagnose our need mm-hmm. and meet our need rather than we go to him, uh, you know, asking him to fulfill desires that we have. And of course, in this mm-hmm. instance, he was given both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was given both the ability to walk and the deeper need was met, you know, as, as well. And then we get to see Jesus calling Levi to himself, which I love that picture of. Obviously, this is a man that seemed to kind of love the world and is making some yeah. money and, and has a decent income coming. But however powerful the, the money might have been, this call of Christ on his life is is even more powerful. Yeah, and is. so we get to see that lovely picture of, of Jesus pursuing Levi and, and calling him. Yeah, he had the riches of the world, but it had come at great cost, alienation from some from friends and neighbors. And of course you, you see, you know, how most of you know most of Israel, you know, felt about people like 
you know, like him. You know, just in that phrase, tax collectors and sinners, mm-hmm. uh, you needed a special category. Uh, and, 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 mm-hmm. and to be a sinner, you know, was obviously on the pretty wild side of it. They're not talking about, you know, people who are covetous or greedy mm-hmm. or anything like that. They're, they're, they're talking about, you know, people who, uh, you know, were sexually immoral, who were, you know, uh, who were far outside the boundaries, the sins that we often you know, label and dismiss. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, these are the ones that many, it says many of them were following him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy. Uh, that word in Mark is a deeply meaningful word. There was something happening in their hearts and lives as they heard Jesus that was calling them away from their sin to the person, you know, to the person of Christ. And you see the tension, you know, that's building, you know, that, that's going to be, you know, a big part of the gospel of Mark, those who should have recognized and welcomed Jesus most rejected him. Mm-hmm. Those you might have thought uh, would have rejected him uh, are accepting him. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, this ought to be a picture of the church as well. If these are the kind of people, you know, that, that Jesus was attracting, not, not, not with any compromise, mm-hmm. but if these are the kind of people Jesus was attracting, shouldn't we be the kind of people Jesus was and have the same attractive spirit to those who are far from him. Mm. Now, and even that question at the end of uh, verse 16, when they're asking why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners, mm-hmm. often kind of makes me ask the question, why don't I eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know, what's keeping me from mm-hmm. engaging with those who need Christ the most? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about my own call into discipleship and my own kind of living for the sake of Christ um, this is a very convicting passage in light of that. And of course his answer to the question is it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. Mm-hmm. The irony is is those who were meticulously religious and over scrupulous in their application of the law were every bit as unhealthy as those who were you know, far, uh, you know, far from obedient to the law. Uh, one of them had uh, and it made the law their idolatry, and the other had made breaking the law their idolatry. Neither one of them had grabbed the spirit of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and even though they didn't realize that they were every bit as unhealthy as the mm-hmm. tax collectors and the sinners, and they needed a doctor, mm-hmm. or, or more than that, a savior. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wondered, too, if they were seeing these people changing or if things you know if even fruit was happening from these people's lives that um didn't line up with them being religious people like the pharisees so even even uh, kind of scrutinizing you know what might be fruit or you know seeing these people be liberated from you know their lives of sin it's kind of interesting to me that they might have even well there's no way anyone can have a genuine encounter with christ and, and, and not be changed mm-hmm. you know, by it. We ought to deal with the you know the closing you know the closing you know section uh, where you know the disciples are walking through the grain fields and yeah. they're you know picking you know grains and you know kind of rubbing them in their hands and and eating them and of course that wouldn't necessarily you know against uh, you know the law of course they were told not to gather mm. uh, on the you know on this on the Sabbath day and so that may have been you know what they were thinking in mind but it's all these little rules you know the Pharisees had created around. You know, around the law, and, and of course, you know he points to David as one who, 
because of who he was, uh, you know, was able to, on a certain occasion, you know, bend the rules a little bit. And of course, the implication here is one who is greater than David is here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the way he brings us to conclusion. He said, you know what? God didn't make us for the Sabbath. We weren't made, you know, to go through all these religious rituals and bend and bow and break, mm-hmm. you know, to them. He made the Sabbath for us, and it gives us a picture of all of God's law. It is given to us so that we might thrive in Him, even though it sets boundaries for us sometimes that we don't like and are uncomfortable to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a God who wants to see us thrive, and everything He has given to us, He has given for His good. But there's another little thing He does here that is so nice. He, he said, "The Son of Man." is the Lord of even the Sabbath. I said I come to fulfill the law in Matthew, and of course he's fulfilling it by restoring it to its purpose, to make people whole Mm -hmm. so that they thrive in him. And it's a beautiful picture of Scripture. We have run out of time. We've even run over time. So, David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Gospel of Mark, and thank you so much for these glimpses of Christ in which we can learn who he truly is and how we are to respond to him. Thank you so much that you are the one who has the authority to forgive sin and you've called us to yourself and we celebrate as we get to spend um, these days with you. Um, May we be people who rest, who find our rest and find our renewal and find our our restoration, not in the things of this world, but, but in Christ and in him. And so may we um, be your people for your glory in this time. Um, And we pray that you would be glorified in all that we do. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.